Bharat and Baubali. Before his renunciation of worldly life, Lord Rishabdev or Lord Adinath was known as King Rishab and had two wives, Sumangala and Sunanda. By Sumangala, he had 99 sons, of whom Bharat was the eldest and the best known, and one daughter named Brahmi. By the second wife, Sunanda, he had one son named Baubali and a daughter named Sundari. All of them were given proper training in different arts and crafts. Bharat became a great warrior and politician. Sunanda's son was tall, well-built, and strong, and hence was called Bobali. In Sanskrit, Bau means arm, and Bali means mighty. Brahmi attained a very high level of literary proficiency. She developed the first known script, known as the Brahmi script. Sundari was very proficient in mathematics. After Lord Rishabdev attained omniscience, both girls renounced their worldly lives and became his disciples. As a king, Rishabdev had the responsibility of a large kingdom. At the time of his renunciation, he handed over the city of Vinita, also known as Ayodhya, to Bharat, and the city of Takshila to Bobali. He gave different parts of his vast kingdom to his remaining 98 sons. Bharat quickly established control over Vinita. He was an ambitious ruler and intended to become emperor of the entire nation. For this purpose, he organized a strong army and started developing different types of fighting equipment. He also possessed a miraculous wheel called Chakra Ratna. Chakra means wheel and Ratna means precious jewel, and the wheel would never miss its target. After developing his army and weapons, he embarked upon his journey of conquest. There was hardly anyone at that time who could withstand his well-equipped army. He easily conquered all the regions around Venita. Then he turned his attention toward the lands of his 98 brothers and asked them to acknowledge his superiority. They all turned to Lord Rishabdev to ask for advice. Bhagavan explained to them the importance of conquering their inner enemies, or passions, and not external enemies. He also advised them on how to attain liberation, a true kingdom. Having realized the futility of fighting with their elder brother, the sons surrendered their territories to him, renounced worldly life, and became disciples of Lord Rishabdev. Now only Bobali remained. However, he had a different vision and would not surrender. He was conscious of his right to rule the kingdom handed over to him by his father. Moreover, he had the will and capacity to fight any invader. Therefore, when he received Bharat's request to accept a subordinate status, he refused and began preparations to fight. Both brothers were strong, and war between the two was sure to result in large-scale bloodshed. Therefore, counselors on both sides tried to dissuade their masters from resorting to war, but neither of them would give up his ground. War seemed inevitable as the brothers brought their armies face to face on the battlefield. Everyone shuddered at the prospect of heavy casualties that would result from the imminent war. The counselors then made one last effort. They explained to their masters that the main point of contention was to determine which brother was superior. Instead of assembling a large-scale war for that purpose, a fight between the two brothers would just as easily settle the issue 
and would avert unnecessary bloodshed. Both brothers thought this was an excellent idea and immediately agreed. The plan was to engage in a straight duel and the victor of the duel would be acknowledged as the leader. On the day of the duel, Borat tried to beat Bobili by using his various permissible weapons, but all his attempts to defeat Bobili failed. Barth contemplated on how unbearable and shameful his defeat would be. His ambition to rule the entire world was also at stake if he did not defeat his brother. <clears throat> he grew desperate and ignored the rules of the duel by unleashing his miracle wheel, the Chakra Ratna, at Bobili. However, he had forgotten one important characteristic of the miracle weapon. It would not harm any blood relatives of the bearer. Therefore, the wheel returned to Borat and Bobili remained unharmed. Bobili became enraged by Borat's violation of the rules of the duel, and he thought of smashing his elder brother with his mighty fist. As he raised his hand for that purpose, the onlookers trembled at the thought of Borat's imminent death. But just as he was about to unleash his wrath, a flash of insight came to him. What am I doing, thought Bobili. Have I gone mad? Am I going to kill my elder brother for the sake of some worldly possessions that my revered father willingly abandoned and which my other brothers have given up? He shuddered at the prospect of the imminent death of Barth, seeing the evil in killing a respected brother. At that very moment, he changed his mind. Instead of lowering his hand to hit his brother, he used it to pull out his hair as the monks do during Diksha as a symbol of giving up everything and renouncing the worldly life. However, Bobili had not lost all his pride and ego. He realized that if he went to his father and stated his intention of renouncing the world, he would be required to bow down and be subservient to his 98 younger brothers who were senior to him in monkhood. This was unacceptable to him. Instead, Bobili decided to seek enlightenment on his own and started meditating on the very same spot upon which he stood. He became so immersed in his meditation that he lost track of time and could not remember how long he had stood there. He was motionless for so long that creepers began to grow around his feet. A year passed with Bobili standing in that posture of meditation, yet he did not gain enlightenment. How could he gain it without shedding his ego? At last, Lord Rishabdev sent Brahmi and Sundari to bring him to the right path. They came to the place where Bobali was meditating. Seeing their mighty brother standing like a rock, they calmly told him, You cannot achieve enlightenment while sitting on an elephant. You need to get off the elephant. As their familiar voices reached Bobali's ears, he opened his eyes in amazement and looked around, but did not find himself on an elephant. He then realized that the elephant they were referring to was his ego. He immediately dissolved his ego and decided to go to Lord Rishabdev and was ready to bow to his 98 brothers. During his long penance, he had overcome all other defiling passions except ego, which still remained between him and enlightenment. Now his ego was dissolved and humbleness prevailed in its place. Therefore, as he took the first step towards the Lord, he achieved full enlightenment and became omniscient. In memory of this event, a gigantic 57-foot upright statue of Bobili stands on the hill 
of Vidyagiri at Shravambegola near Bangalore in southern India. It is made out of a single rock of granite and was erected about 1,000 years ago. Pilgrims and visitors marveled that the statue, even under the open sky, stands spotless today. At the same time that Bobali was carrying out his intense meditation, Bharat had become the undisputed emperor or Chakravarti of the world. He was the first Chakravarti of the current time cycle of the Avsarpiniyara. As a ruler, he ruled equitably and in the interest of all, and the people were happy under his administration. India was recognized as Bharatvarsha. He himself was happy in every respect and ruled for a very long time. One day, a ring slipped off his finger while he was in his dressing room. He noticed that the finger looked rather odd without the ring. His curiosity overtook him and he removed all his rings. Seeing that his fingers were no longer beautiful, he took off his crown and other ornaments decorating his body and looked in the mirror. He realized that he did not look as handsome as he used to look. This set off a train of thoughts. I consider myself handsome and strong, but this entire look is merely due to the ornaments which do not belong to the body. The body itself is made up of blood and bones. Then why am I so attached to my body? He thought further. My body will not last forever and will decompose sooner or later. At that stage, I will have to leave everything behind. The only everlasting entity is the soul. He realized that nothing in the world, including his body, really belonged to him, and he soon came to a major decision. Why not do away with my attachment of all the temporary things and instead focus on something that lasts forever, like my father did? Thus he developed an acute detachment for the worldly life. At the end of his life, he attained liberation.